Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Battle Buddy Podcast. As a veteran or as a service member, you are entitled to certain benefits when it comes to education. I certainly hope you have taken advantage of them. If you haven't, then you definitely need to pay attention today. I've got an author of a book that you are definitely going to want to pick up and read, and we're going to talk all about your education benefits, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Battle Buddy Podcast with Keith McKeever. Welcome to the podcast, John. Hey, Keith. Great to be here. Yeah. Well, I am glad to have you on here. It's weird to say I've talked a little bit of education over to, over a couple of years of doing this podcast, but I've yet to like have this deep dive into it. So you've written a book, Combat to College. But before we get into that, tell us just a little bit of your of your military background and a little bit of who you are. I was a enlisted guy in the Army, and I did 10 years. I did seven years active in the infantry, and I did three years recruiting and deployed twice to Afghanistan. Um, not really that special of a soldier. No, 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 no medals of honor or anything like that. But uh, getting out of the military and my transition threw me for such a loop that I wanted to see what I could do to kind of pay that forward to other veterans. I'm sure the hardest and most stressful part of, of your entire service was probably the recruiting duty. <laughs> yeah, that is 100% true. And oh, man, that's what I hear. They, they force you up there and they throw you in schools. My first day, they just gave me the keys to a government car and they said, hey, go find someone to join the army. So I walked around Walmart asking people to join the army for like three hours, came back dejected, totally. <laughs> so it's recruiting is not a duty that many people are psyched to do. And it's, it's kind of a career killer for like the infantry people, unless you want to remain recruiting forever, which I didn't really want to do. Well, I don't imagine a whole lot of people wanting to do that. And it's I mean, that that story just kind of reminds me because I've got kids. It's like telling your kids to clean their room and they don't they're like, well, where do I start? Yeah, it's like, that, you know, here's the here's the keys. Just go figure it out. Like, go find some kids to join. <laughs> yeah. And now the military is in such a recruiting crisis. You have, I think, for the first time in history, a lot of veterans are telling their children not to join because 80 percent of the military comes from military families. So, you know, if you talk to eight out of 10 people in the military, they have a close family member that served. So it's kind of a family business. And you look at the pullout from Afghanistan, you see some of the other non-popular military policies that are being pushed forward. And I think for the first time in history, you're having a lot of parents telling their kids, hey, you know, who served? You know, don't don't join the military. Go go do something else. That's understandable, you know, especially if, if you're our age mm-hmm. and if you've got parents or grandparents who were in Vietnam or, or grandparents, great grandparents who were in World War II and, or Korea. And it's like, like, look, we have four war, four years of war there, three years in Korea, you know, 10 years in Vietnam, 20 years in the war on terror. And we're not really taking care of our troops any better. Yeah. Like in some and ways I, we are in, in many ways we're not. Yeah. And that's kind of where I wanted to get in. I first got into veteran advocacy, actually uh, working with homeless veterans. But I kind of wanted to get upstream of that because working with homeless veterans, they're kind of like all the way so far gone. Like, you know, imagine yourself on a riverbank and you're seeing veterans kind of float down the water. You jump in to save them, jump in to save them. Eventually, you got to go upstream and see where they're going into the water at. So in one of my conversations with the homeless veteran I was ha- that I was working with, he told me, you know, I was, you know, what happened? How did how did you get to this point? Because obviously you're not just you know, fully employed and happy one day and totally homeless the next. And he said his transition point uh, when he got out, he went to school, but it just didn't work out for him, you know, for one reason or the other. He didn't like the school. He didn't like the other students. He didn't like the professors. 
And I kind of started to think, you know, what if what if he would have made it through school? Then how how different would his life would have been? So I kind of moved back and started working with veterans in education because for enlisted people, that's where so many of our transitions start and kind of how well we navigate that transition from our from the military into our civilian education really sets us up for success or failure. And then you start kind of looking at more of the details and more of the, the data points and things like that. And one of those things is people with college degrees kill themselves less. And something I kind of got into with the veteran suicide is a lot of people are familiar that 20 veterans kill themselves every day, but nobody really thinks about who these veterans are. Like who are the veterans that are killing themselves? It's just 20 veterans. And the veterans that kill themselves the most often are people who served for one enlistment in the military, enlisted, and then they get out. If you serve 20 years in the military, your protective factors of, um, you know, not killing yourself really shoot up. And one thing that people with college degrees don't do is they don't kill themselves near at the rates that people with college degrees have. So I kind of dove into education, initially kind of thinking about veteran suicide, but it, it morphed into, uh, you know, how can I encourage more veterans to go to school and utilize the benefits like you mentioned earlier? Some interesting takeaways on that is, is uh, officers obviously already have that degree when they go in. So yeah. when they get out, they can go right into that, you know, we'll say better paying job mm -hmm. or better position job maybe. And then, but enlisted may not have that degree, but typical enlistment is four to six years. If you play your cards right, and I've said this many times to people, the moment you go in, you should have a plan for the time you get out. Whether it's four years, six years, 20, your time is going to come up. It's, yeah, just, when, you know, it is. It, so start working on it from day yeah, one. Whenever, whenever I get a chance to talk to soldiers, I always say, hey, who's who's getting out of the military? Who's getting out of the military? And, you know, a few people raise their hand. Right. I said, Not everyone me, right? should raise their hand because unless, unless you plan on dying in the military, eventually you're going to get out. And you need to start prepping for that, you know, the day that you realize you're getting out of the military one day. Nobody, you know, does 40, 50 years in uniform, which doesn't happen. And back to your earlier point about officers, officers, they get divorced less. They make more money. They kill themselves less. They are homeless less, addicted less, all those things. And the big difference between officers and enlisted people is the college degree. So officers struggle far less with things like PTSD and you know, the big differentiation between these two groups is the college degree. But by the time enlisted people get to college, they already are kind of having significant baggage. They have married with kids or divorced. They're not traditional students. They have to work. Over 50% of student veterans have some kind of service-connected disability. So all these things make education harder to get through, whereas the, the officer, when they transition out, they already got the degree in their back pocket. Yeah, absolutely. So... You wrote the book, Combat to College. Um, it's, it is a great guide for people going through this. Um, I think anybody who's thinking about going to college should read it. And if you're in college, you should pick it up and at least uh, at least read through it. Or or if you're struggling with something, you know, pick the chapter that applies and, and it'll help you. But I wanted to pick pick your brain on a couple of different things because I thought they were powerful. And I guess I'll preface this by saying I, I think I told you a few weeks ago when we first met, I just finished my degree a little over a year ago. Congrats. And it is an interesting process to be a non-traditional student. And I started a small junior college, in-person classes, then the pandemic hit, went to all virtual classes. If you're thinking about going back to school, you should. But I was in my mid-30s. 
<laughs> married, two kids, running a business. <laughs> I had a lot of other things that I was doing. It's a lot on your plate. There really is. But you can do it. You just have to know what you're about to face. It's just like doing an operation order. Like you have to prepare for what you're going to potentially face. And you're going to face challenges. You're going to face frustrations. But you have to be committed to it. And I think that's where your chapter, like get this right, your new contract, Oath of Enrollment, which I thought was pretty clever. So break that down for us a little bit, what somebody should kind of do with that Oath of Enrollment would, would be. Well, veterans are very committed people and at sometimes even overcommitted. And that I think we tend to look at a lot of our experiences as veterans as kind of drawbacks or disadvantages in life. And what I want veterans to do is look at the advantages that your military service skills and abilities provide. And one of those things is you, if you've, you know, if you made it through the military, you understand the power of commitment. You understand the power of things like daily routines. So what I want veterans to do is think of each individual semester kind of as a contract to yourself. Like, hey, I have these four or five classes. I'm committed to going on these dates, getting through it. And at the end of it, I sign a contract for another semester. And if you view it like that, you're not you're going to stay committed and disciplined with your education. Because if you sign up for the military four years, you're doing every day those four years. They're not going to let you go a day early. They're not going to keep you long. You just do it, do it to that point. And that's kind of what I want veterans to do because, you know, time's going to keep going. I mean, you're going to be three years older in three years, whether you get a college degree or not. So understand the what differentiates you between the other students is the power of commitment. And I'll tell you, professors will see will see that mm-hmm. that comes through. I, I, I don't normally inject a whole lot of stories, but I, I guess I can't help myself on the subject. But when I went back and I'm sitting in there as junior college. One of my one of the biggest reasons I never went back when I originally got out 11 years ago was math because I was terrible at math growing up. I hated math, which is funny because I actually got to appreciate it a little bit going back to college. But it makes sense. Right. Yeah. So so the advisors says, well, you can take some placement tests and see where you're at and you can go into, you know, you can go into the intermediate algebra or whatever. And I said, well, and then they send you second grade. Yeah. No, <laughs> I was like, that's, that's basically what I told him. I was like, Hey, like, what is the, 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 the dumbest level, the earliest level, whatever you want to call it of math that you have, because at this point in time, it's been like 15 years since I've been in a math class. Like, I don't remember anything about algebra other than the X's and Y's. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I need a re- complete refresher and I want to, I want to build the foundation, right? It's like, just like basic training, right? They build, they break you down they build you up. I was smart enough to be like, Hey, I'm going to have to pass algebra and then calculus and statistics. And it's going to be far easier for me if I build a good foundation first, mm-hmm. rather than just try and be like, I'm just going to try and placement test myself into the middle. <laughs> that would have been a disaster, but I end up with this professor and I end up, I must've been with all the high school like flunkies and dropouts because like half of them would show up to class. There was only two of us out of like 15 that showed up every day for class. And I'll tell you what, my professor, I would get done with my exam, any quiz or exam. I would be the last one done without fail because I would do the, do the questions. I go back and check it. I'd look up. I'm the only one in there. There's still 20 minutes of class left. I'd go up and hand it to her. And you know what she did? Because I was the kind of person that would polite, respectful, always there. I would always ask questions and I'd go to her office hours. If I didn't know something, she'd look at it and be like, you know, Mr. McKeever, you should go back and try one and four again. Right. 
<laughs> and that's that's the importance of relationships. And that's that's one thing that I think veterans kind of have an advantage of is you have that maturity and you understand if you look at it like a military mission, it's like, okay, I need all the support I can handle. So I need all the academic support. I need all the resources I can handle. I need, you know, to make good relationships with my professors because your professor shouldn't only know when you who you are when there's an issue or something like that. If you build that foundational relationship, by the time an issue comes up, you're going to be fine. College is a lot simpler than people think, especially for veterans who are used to kind of a simple lifestyle where it's, hey, right place, right time, right uniform. If you show up every day in school, you're going to get through. It's They're not going to kick you out. You're going to be able to pass your classes. It's, it's, it's not as complicated as people make it out to be. Yeah, I had one professor. I, you know, I got to know professor, professors pretty well because I had a few of them that I was older than. But I had asked one of them once, I said, how do you feel about students that don't show up? And their response to me was, I don't care. I'm a college professor. I get yeah. paid. By the time they show up on day one, they've already paid or their financial mm -hmm. aid is paid. So I'm getting paid. So if they don't show up in class, it's an easy grading for me. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they're like, and I get to teach you and you get you get more time. They're not taking up time and resources. You get to ask the questions that you want. I get to be here more for you and other students who really want to learn this. Yeah. And it's a huge deviation from the military where if you don't show up in the military, some days would be pound on your door in about 30 seconds. If you show yep. up late, there's going to be consequences. And veterans are so used to that kind of structured lifestyle to where everything in the military is, you know, like I said earlier, actually kind of simple. You just, you show up in the right place, you do what you're told to do, and you're going to be fine. The civilian world is kind of more chaotic because you have to kind of craft your own life out of that. So for veterans, when they transition, they're so used to that kind of rigid framework. And again, the college, and it's so unstructured. You're like, well, I could go to sleep because I have a test tomorrow or I could just go out and get drunk and no one's going to care either way. Yeah, I think that's why, you know, you're making an oath to yourself is powerful. And that's why mm -hmm. I wanted you to break that down because it, it's like, that's what keeps you on track. Yeah, you know, because absolutely. when I was I, it was just like, look, I have to get this degree. I only had so much time until my benefits expired. So it was like it's degree or bust. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm not paying for this out of pocket, right? I'm using these benefits. I'm getting this damn degree. So yeah. like, and the GI bill it's, is, it's, time. It's, it's the best benefit that, you know, that the VA loan are the best benefits that, you know, people get in the military. And it, it kind of drives me crazy when you have veterans who, you know, just refuse to take advantage of this tremendous thing because you literally get paid to paid to go to school. So why wouldn't you do that? Especially given the fact that, you're you put in the time to deserve this you know i think a lot of veterans you know you have three life options after high school you have college the workforce and the military and most veterans choose the military so they think education isn't for them and then it becomes even kind of more daunting like you mentioned oh i'm i'm terrified of doing math because i haven't done i haven't seen a fraction in in 20 years or something like that but that's that's kind of part of it. I mean, it's part of the growth process. You go there, you struggle, and then you succeed. And if you go in there with a military mindset and you apply that military discipline to your education, you're going to get through. Absolutely. Well, that kind of really leads really well into the next topic, which is veteran grit. So, you know, you kind of have a, a short story in mm -hmm. that chapter about something that kind of sparked this idea of veteran grit in your mind. Can you recite that? And how you think that kind of translates to college? Yeah, I have I have a friend, uh, Adriel, who is a he is a Navy veteran. He's blind, 
and he went blind obviously like in his 20s and seeing his perseverance and grit through his education and through life really inspired me to kind of look at my life differently i remember when i first met him uh i had to go pick him up for a race because we're on this veteran fitness team together and my buddy called me the night before and he's like hey there's this race tomorrow can you go pick someone up and drive them to it and run with them i was like i don't really feel like it he goes well um he's blind so he needs someone to pick him up i was like ah shit okay so i went to his house and picked him up and i had never interacted with the blind person in my entire life and obviously like you know first thing i say to him is, ah it's dark out here you know because like four in the morning i'm like shit and then you know we such go to an run. insensitive thing to say right <laughs> yeah. and then we go to run together and i have to you know i kind of have to check him in take him to the bathroom all those types of things that you know i took for granted and i had to tie myself to him with like a little rope that he had and i was running this guy in the trees i was you know just i felt terrible he tripped over a curb and because he was faster than me which was kind of I don't know if embarrassing or not, but so he's trying to get me to run faster with him because he's trying to like win the race and I'm, I just can't keep up and seeing him go to college and seeing him like pursues education through being blind and keeping such a positive, such a positive demeanor about all of it, because being blind has to be like one of the hardest things in the world. And something he said to me was being blind for me is was easier because I was already so organized and disciplined from the military. To where it's like you know I'm, I'm clean i'm organized so when i get dressed in the morning you know i know where my clothes are all those types of things and just seeing his seeing what what he's been through and what he's continuing to do really inspired me to be like okay well i'm not going to complain about this i mean this guy's taken he's in college and he's blind and you know who so what am i going to do i mean college is tough enough as it is right to, yeah. to navigate being <laughs> blind like well i mean no pun intended, but like literally to navigate around campus to mm -hmm. uh, to get textbooks with Braille in it or, you know, to just navigate your life right through college, not being able to see like I can't yeah. imagine what kind of extra tools that they need to do that and extra challenges. So, yeah. And there's another guy in my student veterans group in no legs. You know, he lost his legs in Iraq. And when you're seeing all these incredible veterans that have been through so much more than you know than i have been through or maybe your classic veterans been through and they're still working hard and kicking ass then i think it kind of takes takes your excuses and makes them invalid if you're like hey oh i can't i don't want to do math because i haven't done math in high school since high school and i hate math it's like well you know this guy's doing it so ruck up yeah i really oh yeah back back to my example like I felt really bad about that. Like once I got through it and I took that last, cause I, I did all the algebra, then calculus, then statistics. Once I was done, I sat back and I was like, okay, that was rough. But is it the roughest mm. thing I've been through? Right. Like when I got out of the military, I looked at that as this mountain that I could not climb this big, scary thing in front of me, which Number. is weird because you know, my military service is like right in my rear mirror, like literally right in the rear mirror. And it's like, no, I went through basic training. I did two deployments to Iraq. I guarded prisoners in a prison camp for crying out loud. Like, and I was scared, more scared of, 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 X's of and, Y's. and, and, and X, X, yeah, like it, it, it's just like, wow, that's really, it's kind of embarrassing. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, it really it, is. David Goggins talks about, you know, his cookie jar experiences to where he, 
you know, he thinks back to all the hard things he's done before that, whatever current obstacle he's facing. So when I was going through, you know, my hardest times, the lowest points, I think back to, oh, you know, that mission in Afghanistan when, you know, the guy in my platoon got shot and we still pushed through and you know, I survived that or the other experiences in the military that, you know, we all go through. It's like, if I survive that, I think I can get through this like level one Spanish class. Like I, I'll figure it out. I mean, it, it might be a pain, but I'll figure it out. And people, when they take that kind of winning military mindset into their education are going to find success. So one thing I wanted to do with the book is also provide veterans the confidence to go to school because a lot of veterans, I think, kind of hold themselves back before enrolling. So I wanted to say, hey, it's, it's for you. You can handle it. And then also kind of some practical and common sense tips to get through it and maximize your experience there because it's not just about like getting to the diploma. It's about making the most of that time. You know, how do you set yourself up for success after? How do you do things like networking? Because one thing that I've actually been thinking uh, a lot about lately, I was talking to some student veterans last week, is your grades aren't really as important as you think they are, unless you're like shooting for like a competitive master's program or law degree or something like that. It's not going to matter in five years. So start thinking about the things that are going to matter. And those things are everything from your uh, mental health to the networking you do to setting yourself for success. It doesn't matter if you get a B minus or an A plus or a C on this test five years from now. So start thinking about the other things outside the grades. Yeah. Or if you're like me, your grade point average was already screwed from going to college after high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was not a great student at 18 or 19. I did not care at all. You know, I did, I did good going back as a veteran. Right. Yeah, but, better. Uh, there's only so better. much help you can do to uh, to a grade point average that was that was barely <laughs> cutting it to begin with. This grade point average is already murdered. There's no bringing it back. So it's like, <laughs> this thing is on life support, and we are keeping it. We are trying our best. So yeah, well, I, I went to I went to grad school at Harvard, and one of the interesting things about there is I didn't care about my GPA at all, and all the other students were so grade focused because there were such academic high performers, and I was the only person in all my classes that was just like. I don't care what I got. As long as I pass, that's all that matters. And at the end of this experience, I'm going to have a degree from Harvard. I don't care what the GPA says whatsoever. And since I graduated Harvard, nobody has asked me, but I'm certainly in the bottom portion of the class, but I still did it. So why do I care? Well, you know, that, that breaks this mind. Something I joke about pretty frequently with, with things is, is yeah, there, somebody is the validatorian, the salutatorian, and somebody just squeaks by mm -hmm. with a C, Okay. Just, you got to remember that doctors and lawyers do that too, mm -hmm. right? So the doctor or lawyer you go to or the dentist or the surgeon could be an A student or they could be a C student. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean that to be comforting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, and that's the truth though. You know, you don't know. Uh, it doesn't say it on the degree. Yeah. It's really important to think about that to where it's like, okay, so I'm more concerned about making it to the diploma than what my grades say. And plus at college is an excellent place for things like networking because more people are finding connections and jobs through networking than like traditional sources. So it, it might not necessarily matter the degree as much as the, as the experiences you have there, the internships, the relationships you form, because like the professor, like the one who, uh, who helped you out, that person's more than willing to write you a letter of recommendation to to give you some job leads and stuff like that. If you show up and treat yourself like a serious student. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I think that helped with when I got to the four year institution, when I did my internship, 
because I run a business, I'm in real estate. And I was like, I don't want to work for somebody else for an internship. And so the lady who did a lot of HR stuff, she ran a capstone program. I was talking to her and I was like, but do I have to do an internship and go find a company? And she goes, well, no, there's this other program that like nobody ever uses called a project, but it's kind of like an internship. And I'm like, well, tell me more. And so they let me, you know, I'm a, a licensed continuing education instructor. So they let me actually do a full 150 hours, basically internship project for my own business. Mm-hmm. I just had to have somebody that's in my business, you know, certified mentor that I was doing, doing everything I did, which was not a problem finding somebody to do that. But I was like, at least I'm doing something for my business and my line of work that I'm an expert in already and licensed to do. And then you're more inspired to do it, obviously. Yeah. And, and education now can be so personalized. I think people are kind of get spun up into all the different things, but your dry bill is way more flexible than you think it is. Uh, veterans do struggle more going to school online because we're such kind of hands-on experiential type learners to where we want to like do things. And I think a lot of student veterans did get in trouble during the, during the pandemic because one, you might not be as technologically as competent as some of these younger people who grew up, you know, using technology and social media for their entire lives. And two, you're more likely to have like at home uh, distractions. Like you're more likely to be married. You're more likely to, you know, like I mentioned earlier, have service connected disability. So going to school online presents extra challenges for veterans, but it is cool that you have that, you know, personal freedom to kind of make it what you want. Absolutely. Yeah. I, my, my distractions were pretty much two little ones. That's <laughs> yeah. They, they kind of made extremely distracting and your, your normal 18 year old student or 19 year old college student isn't going to have those. They're not going to need to work maybe because mommy, dad are paying the bills or they're living at home. So there's extra obstacles in the way of being a student veteran. And it's so easy to view those as only negative and ignore the kind of positive aspects like the grit and discipline and the maturity that we have over the other students. I know the one thing that helped me was I've got a dedicated office space. Mm. So I was able to shut my door and it was like, Hey, look, you know, six to, I don't know, six to nine o'clock at night. This is dad's class time. Like this is what we got. So right. don't interrupt the door is shut and locked. Um, you know, that's, that's all we got. So, um, so one more thing that you had in the book that I wanted to focus on was politi- political instructors. And I know you kind of focus on political stuff in there, but it may not necessarily be political, maybe just difficult professors. Mm-hmm. So break that down for us and how somebody should should deal with that. Yeah, I think that, you know, as student veterans, we're, we're more likely to be older and we're more likely to have our own opinions. And these 18, these professors might be teaching the same class for 20 years to the same like 18, 19 year old kids and not provide any pushback. So student veterans can kind of throw a wrench into the power dynamic of the classroom. Because obviously the professor is uninformed one, they're the one teaching, and the students are uninformed. They're there to be taught, to learn, all those types of things. And I remember when I started school, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm 30, I've been divorced, I've been to war, I own my own house. I'm not, you know, as probably as malleable as these younger kids. And there are professors in a lot of institutions that hold their political views um, more important than maybe their education. So a lot of veterans can get in trouble in these types of things. I remember there's a student veteran in my school who after, uh, you know, the professor called the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan useless. And he had just gotten back, you know, a year before, had lost some friends over there and things like that. So that was a really tough experience for him to hear those types of things. 
And then on college campuses, there I don't want to say there's like anti-American sentiment, but it's not really a proud patriotic type place all the time. And student veterans can struggle with that and including the big gap between the military and civilian populations because these professors might have never had a veteran in their classroom. They might not know any veterans in their personal life, which I kind of found crazy when I got out because all I knew were veterans, basically. So when I met people that had never met a veteran before, I'm like, oh, wow, like this is I feel like this is a responsibility of mine to like represent the military or something to this person who has no military connections whatsoever. And as time goes on and on, less and less people are going to have a personal connection to the military. Wow, that's that's a good point. And uh, yeah, I, I don't want to say. I guess I'll just say it. I don't necessarily mean it this way, but a lot of professors, especially maybe in the social sciences and stuff like that, may lean a little bit more kind of liberal on social science topics and stuff like that. And, you know, if you go into business, like that's what my degree is in, I didn't have any problems. Right. Maybe it's the institution. Maybe it's just the, 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 the topic. I don't know. You know, I might've had problems if I went into psychology or sociology right. or something like that, or education, who knows, but yeah, you know, it's, it, what path you choose could very well determine how much of a, of a chance that you run into that. But you may also run into like incompetent professors. Yeah. And like I, I had one that was, was absolutely terrible at, at the junior college. He had, uh, I think he had just been hired and he would like flop through his notes and he'd put everything up on the old school projector, like right on the dry race and those little piece of paper. Like we had as kids. I, I should be very careful saying that. <laughs> like, like we had as kids, some kids grew up with smart boards, yeah, but uh, we didn't have it if you're old enough. Right. And um, anyway, uh, so he would do that. He was disorganized and he'd be like, well, this is what you need to know. This is what we're going to learn today. So then we take the test and the test results come back and like people are like failing. And we'd be like, well, that's not right. Like I, you said this was the answer. This is what I put on here. Now it's wrong. And he'd fight us on it. And it was like getting into heated arguments. And it got to the point like security was almost called. Somebody had their mm -hmm. cell phone out and they were taking video. And as a class, like we were meeting before and after and everybody's just sitting around like, what do we do about this? Planning like, some type of coup or something. Yeah, exactly. Like that's almost what we are doing. Like, okay, how, what do we do? You know, we're like, okay, now if he does this next time, like somebody's definitely breaking out the camera, calling security because this guy's getting defensive. Anyway, without even talking, like some time went by and it happened again. Nobody mm -hmm. talked about what we we're going to do. I decided I'm going to go talk to the dean of the business department. So I go in there and talk to the secretary. She goes, oh, you'd like to talk to the dean? Yes, yes, I would. And about what? So I gave the professor's name. She kind of gave me a smirk. She goes in there. She comes back out. She goes, the dean will see you now. I go in there. She flips open his big binder, flips to an empty page in his notebook. This says, and what's your name? And what's your statement about, you know, this professor so-and-so? So she had already had. A <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It turns out pretty much the whole class had come in and given a statement. And they're like, look, this guy, he's erratic on what he's teaching. He's he's saying this is an exam and then he's you know going back on it and it's like we're all bringing in our notes and we're like this is what he says mm -hmm. here's our test like and anyway he did not have employment after that semester yeah and <laughs> you know as well as i do the military is not short on incompetence either or uh toxic personalities or ego trips or things like that 
and your relationship with your professors does matter. I mean, it, it does matter in because the professors can grade you basically however they want. It's not like a high school multiple choice exam. The professor can basically fail you if they want. So your relationship with them does matter. And you do need to learn how to deal with difficult people. I mean, you hear veterans complain a lot about civilians. And you don't really ever hear civilians complain about veterans, but maybe they, they wait to do it until we're out of the room or something. But you have to learn how to deal with difficult professors. What I tell student veterans is, hey, you're here to get an education. You're here to get the diploma. You don't need to like fall on your sword or get into a fight with this professor. And the last thing you want to do is be in a back and forth type argument with a professor because that doesn't look good for you or them. And like you mentioned, they're likely to get defensive. So the best advice I have for student veterans is just be, be knowledgeable if you want to have an opinion that runs counter to what the professor wants to teach or what their ideological beliefs are. So if you're going to come with an opinion, make sure you're, you have some, you know, common sense and logic behind it and just be well-informed if you're going to argue with the professor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes just shut up, you know, I mean, you can just <laughs> shut your mouth. It's also an option that you don't. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just bite your lip and just, just press on and yeah, drop it, right? in the military all the time. I, you know, you got to keep your mouth shut in the military too. So it's, it's not an easy road to keep your mouth shut. In fact, it's the hardest thing for veterans sometimes. And like I said, the best thing, the best thing I'll say is just don't argue with professors because there's no nothing to gain from it. Always a good idea. Always a good idea. So, uh, and we kind of talked a little bit about balance. I kind of wanted to to kind of talk about that, but you know, school, personal life, stuff like that. What advice do you have uh, for you know, student veterans on kind of managing all that? I don't, I don't believe that there's a true balance. You know, there's no 50 50 mm -hmm. balance, but you do need to find what works for you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a chapter in the book called Learn to Say No. And I think that's very important for veterans is you have to learn to say no to things that aren't going to contribute to your goals. So that might mean letting people down. That might mean letting your friends and family down and things like that. But during your education, you're there to get the education, just like you couldn't, you know, call out sick for the military or bail on your responsibilities there. You have the same responsibilities in college, but they're more self-imposed, like we talked about the contract with yourself. So say no to the things that are going to hold you back from accomplishing what, what you need to accomplish, because you do need to put in some time studying. You do need to put in some time networking for your future and things like that. So, and, you know, like we talked about balancing your life is more difficult for student veterans because you have more going on. You might need to go to the VA, you know, which could be an hour away or whatever you might you probably have kids or a relationship, or if you're like me, you at least have a divorce or you need to work. So you have to balance all those things around your school schedule, but school eventually comes to an end. You know, those three, four years are going to come to an end. So staying disciplined and learning to say no is key for student veterans. Yeah, I agree with that one. Um, so I want to dive right into a, a side topic that, well, you know, it's related, but what types of education benefits are there out there? You know, what kind of schools can go to? I think a lot of veterans think of, oh, I got to go to this four-year school or mm -hmm. I got to go to, I got to go get this bachelor's degree, right? Obviously you could go get your master's, but you could go get, you know, an associate's degree, certificates, graduate certificates. I mean, there's all kinds of different things. I know there's some more, but what other kind of avenues can people go that then, you know, may not think of traditionally? Yeah. 
I think that, you know, when people think of the GI Bill, they kind of view it as only for traditional education, only sitting in the classroom. And that that's not appealing to a lot of veterans, you know, many times, because like I mentioned, we're more experiential hands-on learners. So the GI Bill has kind of recognized that and it's adjusted with the times to where, hey, if you want to go learn how to be a plumber, if you want to go be a welder, if you want to go do these certification programs, the GI Bill is going to pay for that. They're going to pay for things like police academies. They pay for flight training, scuba school, all these different things and certifications that you can get. And, you know, the four-year liberal arts degree might not be appealing to you, which is which is fine, but there are things that you can take advantage of that you might not think. And there are veterans too that do programs not knowing the GI Bill pay for them and they come out of pocket for some of those certifications like you mentioned, especially within like the cyber and IT stuff that's kind of blowing up now. The GI Bill will pay for a lot of those certifications and pay you to go to school while you're getting that. They'll pay you, you know, your BEH. So for veterans, explore your different GI Bill options. It's usually best to kind of find a path and then find out how the government can pay for it because they're paying for more and more nowadays. So don't only think of GI Bill's traditional school. Think of it as a way to get training and certifications for your future. So yeah, those certifications are are key, especially in the like cyber and IT worlds where they might not care about the degree, but you do need to have certifications and XYZ in order to qualify for a job. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to 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 pay for things. I mean if you served at a certain time, you got the Montgomery GI Bill, mm-hmm. post 9-11 GI Bill, forever GI Bill, which I want to go into here in a minute. But, you know, well, certain states have different grants. You've got the Pell Grant. Mm-hmm. You've got, you know, private and, and corporate scho- uh, scholarships. You've got, um, I don't know if it's changed, but it was a VRE or the mm-hmm. vocational rehab and yep. whatever that is. Yeah, so you yep. can apply for, like, if you're done with your GI Bill, you can apply for more time using the Voc Rehab Program which a lot of veterans don't know. They think, ah, oh, my GI bills, you know, we'll say it's, it's, it's almost gone. I can't qualify for more education. Well, if you have one day on your dry bill, like literally one day, it'll pay for an entire semester. And if you have that one day and you have over 10% disability rating from the VA, you can qualify for voc rehab, which voc rehab is something you have to be approved for. And it's more geared towards specific education. So say you're like, I need this certification or this degree to work in this job. So then they're more geared towards actual employment opposed to just, you know, GI Bill, you can just use it for whatever. It doesn't matter. You can basically use it to go get a degree in whatever worthless thing that you want. But the voc rehab is something they have to approve you for and has to be geared towards education or have to be geared towards specific employment. Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple of things, uh, other things I wanted to point out, too, that like in my particular case, I had the Montgomery GI Bill. Mm-hmm. And so it was advantageous. You know, with some people, in some states it's not, but for me it was, to use it first. And then I still have a whole 12 months of additional post-9-11 that I could use. Uh, my timed mine up almost perfectly that my Montgomery GI Bill ran out with three weeks left in my final mm-hmm. semester. So <laughs> I yeah. couldn't have timed that one that better. But, it- you know, some states, now I don't know what every state has, but I know I'm in Illinois. So if somebody watching or listening is from Illinois, Illinois has an Illinois Veterans Grant, which is absolutely killer where if you enlist in Illinois and you return within six months, you get uh, your tuition paid for at any state school up to Mm -hmm. 120 credit hours. And you can stack it with the Montgomery GI bill. Yeah. And there's, there's more, like you mentioned, I didn't know that for Illinois, but each state has their different stuff. I know, you know, Texas, if you're, 
if you get 100% disability or if you retire from the military, your children get all these educational benefits and things like that. So I think we're kind of quick to not look past maybe the 10% discount at Home Depot and forget about other things our military service qualifies us for. But like, yeah, I didn't know that about Illinois, and that's awesome. I have to look into that. Oh to, no, uh, I think it's an incredible one. It's it's I, I think it's probably pretty rare. I don't know if any other states are doing it, but even Texas, you know, if you're retiree or or mm-hmm. for your children to be able to go because you may yeah. only serve four years and not be able to pass along your GI Bill, but to still be able to give education benefits to your children is huge. Yeah, I and, tell my kids all the time they're going to have to earn it academically or athletically. Yeah, because they're going to have to join the military themselves. <laughs> But yeah, my buddy is telling me, uh, who was in Iraq, he got shot in Iraq in his leg. He goes, the best thing that ever happened to me was I got shot in Iraq in my leg because then my kids can go to school in Texas for free to state schools. So, you know, it's there's benefits out there you can take advantage of. And it's it's definitely uh, easy to overlook them because no one's going to put them in your face. No one's going to be like, you know, unless you run into someone in Illinois, no one's going to tell you about that. There are things you have to do to to put the legwork in yourself. Yeah, you definitely have to to look at all those things. That's why I said like scholarships, you know, and the Pell Grant. Like, you know, the Pell Grant is income driven. I know mm-hmm. that. I don't know what the requirements are, but I mean, it's like I think like three thousand dollars a semester yeah. on top of your GI Bill. You qualify for that, you can get the the three grand. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, just think about what that can help you with. You know, with books or other things like that. I mean, there's always other expenses. Yeah, you know, when I was going to in New York, I was making more money than I did when I was in Afghanistan, just because the New York BH and stuff is so high. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like weird. when I was so getting paid more to go to these classes than I did to get shot at in Afghanistan, but you know, that's the government for you. I was kind of like when when I was going here with the Illinois Veterans Grant. I mean, they paid the tuition. I went to state schools, uh, and and the Montgomery GI Bill. You know, it pays the member directly. Mm-hmm. But most of my expenses were paid for. So, I mean, I bought a laptop and I needed, you know, a few accessories and some books every semester. Yeah. And now else, forever you know? dry bill. I mean, like you're running out of time, but now people, you know, Trump passed it. So where you have forever to use it. But that can also be kind of a problem because then you can put it off. Like you were like, hey, if I don't use this, it's going to run out. And then I've, I've wasted this benefit. But for a lot of other veterans now, they're like, oh, I'll go to school later. I'll go to school later. And then before you know it, Obviously, never go to school because there's no good time to do something like that, especially as veterans being non-traditional students. And having- also, I was going to ask what what some of the pros and the cons were because I think that's definitely a big con. Is yeah. you don't want to get to the point where you think, "Well, I'll just use it later," and yeah. then you wake up one day and you're like, "Well, I'm 60 years old. I still right. need to work for another five or 10 years. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can use my benefits now." Well, yeah. is there a point? Right. At that point, you might as well just, you know, pass them on to someone else or something like that. But hey, if you're exactly. not going to do it, at least give the benefits to your kids. If you're not going to do it, at least give them to your kids. Good point. So is there any other pros and cons with that forever GI Bill? Or can you explain, you know, a little bit more about what that is? Because I think it's yeah. a little bit more applicable, at least for those that are serving now, are going to all qualify for that. Yeah. And now, I mean, for people who joined, you know, like when we did, you don't have to pay into it anymore, which is nice. I mean, I remember... You know, you had to get a hundred bucks taken out of every check, you know, every month for to qualify for it. Now you don't have to pay into it, which is pretty cool for for people serving now. Also, we should get our money back. Now. Yeah, no, there's just <laughs> and then so you don't have to pay into it, and you have essentially forever to use your GI Bill. So when you're coming out of the military, a lot of veterans veterans will put it off because thinking, hey, I'll I'll go later or have this thing, and that's same with you know veterans who start school and then don't finish. Usually I tell veterans, hey, if you can 
I mean, sometimes you might have to take a semester off, you know, God forbid you have sickness in your family, you have some serious issue you need to take care of. But if you can stick with school straight through, then do that. Because once you once you stop, it's harder to start again. Once you take a semester off, then you take a year off, then you take two years off. And then, you know, in the past, you'd run out of your dry bill, but now you're not going to run out of it. So it makes it easier to be like, oh, I'll take a year off school. So I think the forever dry bill is it's something with good intentions, but you know, just because you have good intentions doesn't mean uh, necessarily going to have good results. Because if you give people like you know, fifteen years once they get out of the military to go to school and they don't do it, it's like, well, you had you had fifteen years. I don't I don't know what to tell you here. I mean, you know, I think an argument argument can be made to give people, I don't know, well, less time. You still want to give people plenty enough time because of the comp complexities of being a non traditional student. Yeah. but and so many like, people. I mean, half veterans like don't even take advantage of it. They don't even use a dry bill. They don't pass it on to their kids. And a lot that start don't finish. So that's why I felt like writing this book was important because that first year when you got out of the military is really so important to set your life up for success. So it got me really interested in, on the transition process, like how veterans transition out of the military into their civilian lives and where they go from there. And that first year is critically important because momentum is vital from the battlefield to college to life once you build some momentum you're going to be good but at the same time you can you can also build backwards momentum you can start screwing up like the homeless veteran i mentioned earlier hey he drops out of school then he can't find a job and then he doesn't have good family support he's not connected to any veteran organizations so before you know it you know you end up homeless but if you would have stayed in school kind of fought through it you know figured it out then you know maybe his life would have would have turned out differently. I would argue it, it definitely would have. Yeah, you know, but uh, you know, actually, what you outlined right there are things that I've for a long time felt like are the reason that veterans end up in those situations: homelessness, suicide, substance abuse. It's financial legal issues. It's lack of close family support. Mm -hmm. It's lack of connection to our community, veteran community. It's lack of purpose and gainful employment. Yeah. You know, and, and that kind of ties into the education. Like, do you have the degree or the education to go get that mm -hmm. job that fulfills you and gives you that passion in life? Yeah. And a lot of that stuff is all tied in, you know, and mixed in. And the more of those are gone, just like, like that, that gentleman, the more likelihood they're going to fall into a problem. Yeah. And every transition out of the military is, is so unique and different because everybody's from different places, you know, whether if you're transitioning out of the military from Germany and you're coming back to like your town in Illinois, or if you're, you know, there's so many different ways to transition out and everyone has different skills, goals, all those different things. So the transition process is so personalized that the military really struggles with setting veterans up for success because there's so many different angles you can go. A life journey in America, getting out of the military, used to be kind of simple, like coming back from World War II. Like, okay, I come back, I get married, I have two kids, I get a job at the factory, I take two vacations a year. Now there's so many choices out there, uh, you know, for veterans to take care of or veterans to choose from. You kind of get this choice paralysis where you're entering kind of an uncertain job market. Like I talked to this female veteran the other day and she's like, she's getting out and she's like, I don't know whether to go to law school or like start an OnlyFans. Because the, the life is so confusing now, you know, like to where there's so many different options out there in the world that it's hard to pick one as opposed to back in the day, you know, you just get out, go back to Illinois, 
get a job, you know, working at the factory or whatever, and you'd be fine. Now, American veterans are faced with kind of a uncertain and a constantly evolving job market. Yeah, man, that comes back to that purpose. You mm-hmm. got to have that purpose in life, whatever, whatever your passion is. And I would say that if you haven't got that and you're getting out of the military, you might as well just go ahead and raise that hand again and stay in. Yeah, that's it. Until, until something has smacked you in the back of the head mm-hmm. and said, hey, uh, this is what I want to do with my life. Like, yeah, I, I was out for a couple of years. I don't think I was, man, I was probably about 30. I'd say about 30 when like things in life just kind of clicked for me mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, okay. You know, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, you know, I'm, I'm in real estate. Like, this is my career. This is what I do. And like, I was finally comfortable with it and comfortable with who I was. And like, this is the path I'm on in life. This is what I want to do. Like before that, it was like, is this really what I want to do? Is this the direction I'm going? Uh, you know, I got to, let's see. I was like 20, almost 27 when I got out of the you know, mm-hmm. so I had been out for a couple of years, right? you know, before it finally just kind of clicked and hit you know, hit me the right way. I give people so. the analogy when they get out of you're kind of you're boarding a ship. So you're in the military world and you're boarding a ship to go to the civilian world. But that journey is not as easy as you think it's going to be. Sometimes you can take off, and you get kind of shipwrecked and lost in this in-between confusing mental place that people call uh, like better in purgatory to where you're in there and you're not in the military anymore, but you're not comfortable in the civilian world. And a lot of veterans kind of hover in this space and everyone kind of takes, you know, different time periods to get from one side to the other. Some veterans kind of take years to kind of figure out who they are against civilian and reestablish their identity and find a purpose. Some veterans kind of zip right over and, you know, establish a life and things like that. And it's such an individual journey that the military has failed to prepare its transitioning veterans for it because well, it's an individualized process. Well, you are aware of who does the, the transition program, right? What department? The Department of Labor? Yes. Yeah. That's that. I mean, I some people are so dumbfounded yeah. when they learn that. There's a fragmented it's like, yeah, approach to it. It's a, it's a fragmented approach because you have the Department of Labor, you have the VA, and then you have the DOD. And all these groups, of course, are the government. So they're halfway incompetent, even though right. they have more meaning. And so they communicate we, so well together. Yeah. And then you have, I remember when I got in the military, I just sat down in a desk for a week and listened to some guy in a suit, talk to me about building resumes. And then, you know, they kicked me out of the door. And then that was kind of it. They put, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and years training you to be a soldier. And then on the back door, you don't really get that kind of time and attention. So it's up to veterans to take personal responsibility for your own transition. You know, responsibility in the military is shared within the group, within a team, within the platoon or whatever. But responsibility on the civilian side of veterans get out is it's individual. You have to take care of yourself. Nobody takes care of you the way the military takes care of you. They focus on all the individual things so you can focus on your job. They give you a place to live. They give you stipend for food. They tell you what to wear even. They tell you how to talk. Nobody you know, has all these programs to take care of you like the military does. But when you get out, all that kind of falls apart and you have to balance running your own life and your job or employment or education or whatever you're doing. Yeah, it all falls on your shoulders. But the good news mm-hmm. is there are, you know, organizations out there, you know, where you can find mentors. You know, you mm-hmm. can go to your Legion, your VFW, whatever, nonprofits to get some things. But um, 
to wrap up the show, I did want to highlight another one that I was a member of, and that is the Student Veterans of America. And you yep. kind of alluded to it a little bit. So that could be another great place as you're navigating this through transition where you could reach out to some other people who are going through it or have been through it and maybe at least get their two cents or their mentorship through the process and maybe make it a little easier, smooth the waters out a little bit for the Navy <laughs> folks. <laughs> so tell us a little bit, what, what is Student Veterans of America? Why should somebody get involved in, in the organization? Sure. So Student Veterans of America is, it's, it's a national organization. They actually just had their national conference uh, recently, but what they do is set up chapters at, at different schools. So every major institution is going to have some type of Student Veterans of America chapter. If they don't have one, you can you can start one as well. But these groups are places for student veterans to kind of meet, get to know each other, and form a team kind of to, to go at your education. So my school had a tremendous Student Veterans of America program where we had a group. We got together weekly for happy hour. We had fundraisers. We did things like Reese Across America. We volunteered in the community with the VFW. Um, we did all these things together and that really forged for me, you know, a, a, a another team to be on and you know, all these veterans from different branches came together and we're all pursuing a similar education or, or a similar mission of, you know, education. So being able to form that kind of community is really important because, you know, nothing is as strong as bonds in the military. And sometimes you need people around you to just kind of get it. And if you're around other student veterans while you're in college, they're, they're going to understand your experiences. Absolutely. It makes it just a little bit easier. Yeah. So if that's, if that's not the, the overarching theme of today, right? Make yeah. it just a little bit easier. You can Make get some through friends. It. That's good too. <laughs> yep. So I want to throw your, your information up here, your website, uh, John H Davis It's in the show notes for viewers and listeners, but um, is there any other way besides that, that people can reach out to you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram as uh, John H. Davis Writer, and then uh, my website, which has my blog. I have my student veteran semester journal for sale on there, which is here. So for student veterans who might not want the book, I designed a 16-week college semester or college semester journal. It kind of takes you week by week and gives you different tasks to do, schedules and things like that. And then uh, my book, which you can also find on, on Amazon. Awesome. Yeah. Cause you don't want to miss the sign up for the next semester of classes. Yeah. <laughs> You'll really be kicking yourself yeah. in, that, in that situation. Right. So awesome. Well, John, I appreciate you coming on here and highlighting your book, combat to college, your 16 week uh, semester guide. Um, I, I really appreciate it. I'm, it's long overdue to have a conversation about college and all this stuff there. I, there's a lot of valuable nuggets in here for future college bound veterans. Yeah. I, and like I mentioned, college is the first place so many veterans start out and how they do that really matters. So I, I hope to provide a small impact to help student veterans. Awesome. Well, you take it easy and I appreciate you being on the show. You too. Thanks, Keith. All right. There you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that. As as always, check out my website, battlebuddypodcast.net for all kinds of information and resources on a variety of topics. Uh, I did just in the beginning of January of 2023 add education resources on there. So go check that out. It is new as of 2023. And if you are struggling for any reason, National Suicide Hotline number is 988-PRESS-1, where you can text 838255.